0: Welcome to our podcast. Uh, Today we have uh, naturopathic Dr. Matt Brignall. Uh, He uh, co-founded NDs for Vaccines, a blog uh, which features naturopathic doctors who are in support of vaccination. Uh, Welcome to the podcast. Can you tell us a bit of what you do and who you are, Matt?
1: Yeah, sure. So again, my name is Matt Brignall. I'm a naturopathic doctor. I live in Seattle, Washington, and practice in Tacoma, Washington. Um, I taught for 20 years at Bastyr University up in uh, up in Seattle, and have since gone back into private practice half-time, and I work half-time for public health uh, in in Pierce County, which is where Tacoma is. I want to make it clear I'm not here as a representative of the health department or any you know, anything they do, but I work for them as a vaccine communicator and and, uh, more generally as part of the COVID response. Um, My personal interest over time has been, has evolved into the way that alternative medicine um, can be both a a force for good, but also a, a, a uh, very uh, amenable to fraud and abuse. so I think that's that second topic is a lot more controversial and the one that a lot of my social media focuses on.
2: Wow, that's that's so interesting. Um, I just to start us out, um, what is it about being an NG that makes so many of its practitioners vulnerable to vaccine? Um, misinformation. Why do we see that so commonly?
1: Yeah, a couple things about that. First, I I, I want to commend a lot of my colleagues for really uh, joining in on the COVID vaccine. And I have not really seen the alternative medicine world be the source of a lot of the vaccine misinformation. I've seen a lot more of it come from political figures than from uh, folks on the medical fringe in the past year, but it's it's certainly out there and you can find it if you look. I think the thing to understand about naturopathic students and practitioners is they come to this profession because they are outsiders, right? They come to this profession already with that inclination to be contrarian or to uh, seek out information that's non-mainstream. So uh, I think one of the things that we've failed at through the naturopathic training process is to help people find good information to help people determine what's reliable information and to recognize a really effective treatment when it's, when it's right there in front of them.
0: Okay. Um, So in our group, we have a lot of people that are coming back to vaccination, but also still enamored or not quite ready to embrace, you know, Evidence-based medicine as a whole, and uh, what should people look for if they are wanting a naturopathic doctor in combination with evidence-based medicine? What should they look for in a naturopathic doctor, and what would be some red flags uh, when when finding one?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the thing they look for is the absence of red flags, right? And I think the big red flags that I see are practices that have memberships or practices that uh, require a certain amount of testing to be part of the practice, practices that um, uh, are aggressively about selling products through the practice. There's so many different models of alternative medicine practice. Uh, My model is very different than most of my colleagues. Uh, I just run a a clinic that would look like any other sort of neighborhood, um, small, underfunded clinic. Um, you know, do a lot of uh, prescribing of medication and vaccination and stuff like that. But then I'll also see colleagues of mine whose practices revolve around, say, esoteric food allergy testing or um, uh, uh, these aggressive detoxification protocols. So, I mean, I think that in, in my area, in Washington state, I serve as a primary care, I serve in a primary care role. So I you know, you don't have to have a medical doctor to be part of my practice unless you need specialty care. But I think in Canada you do. And, and probably in Texas as well.
0: I spent like $400 on one of those allergy tests and was left with like berries and meat because I was allergic to everything according to it. Um, Yeah. I do not recommend that. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah. This, and I think it's an important thing. And one of, one of the things that I pick on a lot in my work is, is esoteric testing. And you, what you'll find is a rule with this type of practice or these type of labs is that uh, the lab is set up to find abnormals because then you'll have to run that lab again. So, um, you know, it, if, if you think of, of, of running a test that looks at 200 foods just by random chance, of them are going to be abnormal if your normals are based on 5% of the population. And if you base your abnormals on 20% of the population, like a lot of them do, then you're going to have a whole bunch of abnormal stuff. So that cycles into a bunch of unnecessary treatment, a bunch of unnecessary fear. And when that unnecessary fear is around diet, there's a high chance that you're sort of nudging somebody toward an eating disorder, which I think is, is a really disreputable practice.
2: So um, I used to take my daughter, she's four now, to a more natural pediatric practice. And uh, they did not recommend vaccines. But for the patients that did, you know, choose vaccines, they had this entire protocol to detox afterwards. How do you feel about people that want to detox vaccines on the schedule or the COVID vaccine, things like that?
1: Yeah, so there's two parts to that question. The first is this sort of the soft anti-vax tyranny of practices that don't give strong recommendations for vaccination schedule. You know, I think we we have this idea sometimes that the middle is between two extremes. And I oftentimes hear my colleagues in sort of the crunchy world try to talk about how they have one foot in both worlds and they come up with a schedule that's somewhere halfway in between the CDC schedule and, and no vaccination at all. But you know, the CDC schedule is based in science and it's based on protection from diseases. If you're south of the CDC schedule, you're already on the fringe. There is no middle ground on vaccination that would be sort of lighter than full protection of your child. And, um, and I, th- I think that that going back to Lydia's question about red flags, that's that would be a really big red flag to me. Um, the idea of detoxification is just really endemic right now, and in the natural medicine world, you know, you see all these uh, celebrity detoxification programs, and and most of them are based on air. Your body does a really good job. Your body's got two organs that are their main job is detoxification. They do a pretty good job if you just sort of let them alone and do what they need to do. Most of what I see that passes for detoxification is, is a like a, a noun, is, a, is a, you know, a, a concept. Most of what I see is a medical detoxification is either a, a set of laxative herbs or a really hyper-restrictive diet for a period of time, sometimes both. And I don't think there's really any need to do either of those two things after a vaccination to make it do its job better.
2: That's really interesting. That, I mean, that's kind of a relief, you know, as I get my daughter up to date, I still have those words from the practice in my head, you know, oh, should I be doing all this stuff to be the best parent I can be? And it's just, it's, ugh, it's so much weight on my shoulders when really I would rather just trust the doctors and get her vaccinated and not have to worry about it afterwards.
1: Yeah. And I, I get that, you know, words have power, even when you can objectively look down and research that those words might not be fully true. They still, it, when you have that suggestion, and it'll it'll stay with you. Um, one of the things that I'm really careful about doing is is trying to make it clear that the vaccine schedule is very safe because those of us who give vaccines, we got kids too, right? I've got a. She's now 22 because I'm really old, but um, you know, she, I, I gave her those vaccines just like I would recommend them for anybody else.
2: Do you feel that you get criticized by members of the medical community um, just because you have natural approaches to other things? I found... <laughs> I mean, like on like I, oh. I found that I couldn't get pregnant for two years until I switched my diet and then I got pregnant immediately. And I did speak out about that once. And I was just absolutely slammed telling people that di- or people telling me diet has nothing to do with your health. And I've thought about that a lot since then, because I, again, I felt like there's no middle ground. So I'm curious mm-hmm. what your experience is like.
1: Yeah. And I work half time in a very conventional world and and pretty much any time I meet a conventional provider and they find out what I do, you know, I've, I've got to prove myself, right? It's, yeah. and so, you know, I get a lot of scorn from the conventional community. I get a lot of, of, of displeasure from my colleagues because I'm very far afield from most of them. So I sort of live in a no man's land between yeah. these two different worlds. It can be frustrating, but I think a lot of the public are there too.
2: Yeah, I think I think there's a huge amount of the public that is in that middle ground, Saying, okay, I, I believe certain things on both sides. Is there a place for me?
0: Yeah, yes. and just to piggyback on that, I'm sure like everyone at some point in time or another has been let down by the mainstream medical profession. I mean, I don't know a single person that hasn't had at least one negative experience. So I mean, what what are we to do? Like where are we to turn, you know?
1: Well sure. And I think there are people that have been let down in my practice too. You know, I'm not certainly not a perfect individual. But I think that um I think a lot of folks come to alternative medicine because they feel like there's not a place for them in the conventional world. And sometimes that's because of a medical error, sometimes that's because of a personal identity. Um, But I think that it it would be really easy. And I see a lot of this happen in the community and it it angers me. It would be really easy to take advantage of that person when they're in that vulnerable space and, you know, turn them against some of the more conventional uh, therapies. And you see some of the loudest alt med voices on the Internet do this as just a part is uh, a matter of course as part of their engagement strategy but i think this is a really vile thing to do because that person who is on the internet selling you detox programs that person's not going to be there when you break your arm that person's not going to be there when you get cancer and speaking of cancer you know one of my favorite examples to talk about the balance between alt-med and conventional medication you know, i'm very comfortable treating somebody with a rash with an herbal ointment versus a steroidal medication if that fits better with their value system. But I'm not comfortable treating a patient with cancer, with a keto diet, which is something I see all over the internet. You know, I think that, that distinction is really important. And that's a distinction I spend a lot of time talking to patients about.
0: I know that's where I got hurt as a Crohn's IBD patient. Um, there's a lot of like leaky gut fad, microbiome fad type things in the alt med world. And the take home message from like most of them is that if you eat the right diet, and you feed the right bugs or kill the right bugs, you will cure what is all your autoimmune diseases, because they t- tend to like tie every single autoimmune disease to leaky gut. And right. um, I you know, tried so many strict diets approaches and always ended up flaring horribly and then feeling like I must have done something horribly wrong, you know, Um, Mm -hmm, and then mm -hmm. like a failure when I took medication. Um, Is there room for a person that still needs medical approaches? Like, are, like, are you able to see that in, in certain patients where you're like, wow, like you have a pretty severe case, like, let's, you know, give you what m- the medication you need, but also help you here and there to have like a more optimal
1: lifestyle. Yeah, yeah. yeah so so. Um- Part of the way that I'll answer this is through my scope of practice. So I've got a scope of practice that's really broadened my state. So I've got an a ethical obligation to present that standard of practice. If I my standard of practice includes um, uh, medications like steroids, then I need to give informed consent on those steroids and, um, and offer them as a first-line treatment. If I don't do that, I'm setting myself up for malpractice. And I'm committing malpractice with not a thing to aspire to necessarily. So, you know, I I treat IBD very conventionally, but I do also talk to people about um, how how to eat during a flare and how to maybe keep the symptoms under better control, maybe high fiber foods during a a, a remission, lower fiber foods during a flare, you know, try to use more evidence-based nutrition strategies. But I also have had patients in my practice who have had autoimmune diseases who are not willing at first to try standard of care. And for those people, you know, what you see is this pattern where you think you can control it with diet. And for two weeks, you're really motivated and things are going great. And you're all over the Twitter, like, hey, I'm controlling my disease this way. But then when things turn south, you don't hear those stories. So when you're learning about natural medicine and Facebook and Twitter, you're really seeing only half of a clinical presentation, which is really frustrating.
0: Um, That that whole anecdote thing is just all over the alt-med world, because as you say, it's and there's almost a shame in flaring after being natural, quote unquote. So you, you're less likely to share that with the right. natural medicine community afterwards, I think.
1: Yeah. Like, what did you yeah, do I wrong? Yeah, I think that pattern's pretty clear. Uh-huh. Yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, this is changing topics just
2: a little bit. Um, What is kind of what do you say to patients that come to you with misinformation about the COVID vaccine and fears about getting it?
1: Yeah. So this is what this is my big thing now. And um, I, one of the things I've been seeing with the COVID vaccine, and this is something I'd, I was talking to Lydia that I've been working on a book prior to the pandemic. One of the things I've been observing over the last few years is a really big shift in the natural medicine community, or in the politics of the natural medicine community. You know, in the 90s, when I was uh, going through school and getting out into practice, this is a very sort of left-wing, uh, progressive, you um, personal growth focused community. But I've seen, especially in the last five to 10 years, I've seen a really big shift toward this sort of paranoid right-wing separatist um, uh, conspiracy theory strain of alt med. And, and and when I'm talking to somebody who's expressing doubt about the COVID vaccine, 90% of the time I'm talking to somebody who's got a political problem with it. And if I'm talking in, in a place about science and medicine, I'm just not addressing the concerns. And if I turn and start to talk about mandates, like what is it about these mandates that you that's bothering you and 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 how can you maintain autonomy and still get the protective benefit of of an intervention to keep you from dying of covid that's a much more effective conversation
2: yeah that it seems like you're getting to the the root of it and the heart of it because you mm-hmm. could argue the science all day long but completely yeah and it. i
1: yeah and i see sometimes in the social media doctors just miss this one you know if you're if you're running a social media account that says, I believe in science and, you know, science is good. And I see these little TikTok videos of people dancing. These are, I get why people think they're effective, but if you put yourself in the mindset of the person who's coming from a conspiracy where all doctors are in on trying to kill children with vaccination, that video is not, all that video is going to do is inflame you.
0: Yeah, Exactly. Wow, yeah. I uh, people ask us all the time, like my friend or my wife or my sister is anti-vax. Like, how, how do I talk to them? And, and the first thing I like to ask is, what is motivating them? Because if it's a if it's a conspiracy thing, that is a lot harder to deal with because you're working on a different plane of reality than if it's a factual thing. Like if they heard that you know they cross the blood brain barrier, that's easy to correct. But, like, I believe that they're the mark of the beast and Bill Gates is, you know, wanting to make us transhuman. I There's less to work with there, I think.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the things I like to do in conversation with folks like that is to make a prediction, draw a line in the sand. You know, I'm going to predict it in January of 2022. 2021, that these vaccines are going to reduce mortality in the people who get them substantially, and that the people who don't get them are going to continue to have the same problems that we had all through 2020. And that prediction is robust, it stands up. And if your prediction is these things are going to make us transhuman or they're going to sterilize the population, at some point in time you need to address the fact that this hasn't happened. And you know, the, the process of joining a conspiracy is loud, it's, um, it's, it's, it gets a lot of attention, but the process of leaving that conspiracy is quiet, it's depressing, and it happens when nobody's looking. Um, so, you know, I, I think it's really important to give people the space to come back rather than sort of define them by these radical and strange beliefs.
0: I have one more question, which might take a little time. I don't know. Um, So (laughs) for parents that want to offer, I think natural med has some really good like comfort measures during, you know, mild childhood illnesses or even um, vaccination side effects. What kind of like comfort measures or um, treatment measures do you recommend for mild ailments
1: like colds?
0: stomach bugs, and vaccine
1: side effects. Wow, I and mean, that's a, a lot there. I, I um, First of all, I want to be really careful. I don't want to give any medical right. advice on a podcast. That'd be a bad thing to do. Right, right, but right. Um, I'm generally a minimalist with regard to therapies. If, if somebody's running a fever, we'll use a fever reducer to bring it down. If somebody's got a really severe sore throat, might use herbals or some sort of lozenges to try to soothe that sore throat, saltwater gargles, what have you. Um, I think there are some herbal approaches for mild tummy aches that can be helpful. You know, I, I, I usually the most common place I'll use the alternative approaches is in places where there's no conventional approach that's real effective or safe.
0: All right, and those are all like pretty affordable too. Like, I like that, you know, just like a lozenge or whatever, like those are all, it's not some crazy system of like hundreds of dollars. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, Oh, just, you know, buy some herbal lozenges and give, you know, obviously ask your doctor. Yeah. Well,
1: you know, the the last thing I want to see, and and I think something that's been on the, on the, in the papers in Canada quite a bit was this really tragic case a couple of years ago where, a little boy was being treated by his parents for what was probably meningitis. Oh, and yeah. they went to see one of my colleagues and I think asked her for advice without bringing the boy in to so she could see how sick he was. And that boy oh, ended wow. up dying. Yeah, you know, I think it's um, it's really important to have some eyes on the person who's I've suffering.
0: Fo- I followed that case and some it was treatment. so tragic. That whole yeah. thing was just awful Awful, and um i think he had hib i think that's what the the latest gotcha
1: yeah the
0: latest thing that i uh read was that it was likely hib meningitis that yeah if listeners
1: don't if listeners don't know what hib is it's uh, haemophilus influenza it used to be a really common cause of death in kids and oh, wow. um, i i talked to a retiring pediatrician at a vaccine event a couple of years ago he trained in the 1980s and that was still really common and he, he had a lot of experience putting tubes down the throat of infants i've never oh, seen goodness. a case of hib in my career because the vaccine's so effective yeah
0: that was really tragic that whole story yeah. Um. Oh well, yeah, I think I, I think I've asked all my
1: questions.
2: Yeah, this one's super interesting. We don't run across this every day. So. <laughs>
1: well, well, can I put in one more plug before I go? Of course. Okay. I, I was reading something yesterday. It was, I think, it was in the Atlantic, and uh, Ben. Mazer, I think is how you pronounce his last name, had written an article, and he had proposed that the COVID vaccine is the single most effective medical therapy in history. And yeah, I'm kind of contrary, and so I sort of sat down for a couple minutes and went through my mental Rolodex of, you know, that can't possibly be true. You know, what about all the other vaccines? What about all the steroidal medications we have? But, you know, COVID has been the first to third leading cause of death in most age groups in the United States over last two years and the COVID vaccine reduces your chance of dying by 68 times if you have, if you're vaccinated and boosted. It, it may be true. It may be true that these vaccines are the most effective therapy that we've ever had. That's sort of, it's really striking. You know, I, I feel like we've all been part of something really big here. And the thing that you guys do is also a part of that thing. You know, we vaccinated, I think, uh, uh, I think we have 10 billion doses worldwide. We're gonna look back in 20 years at this effort and think it's one of the biggest things that we ever did in our lifetime and hopefully be really proud of it.
2: That's really cool, I love that.
0: And just one more thought, Mm -hmm. what do you wanna say to any parent, like to reassure them um, that vaccination is safe for their children?
1: yeah got it so what i would say to a parent who's really struggling with this right now um i probably a couple things number one that i vaccinated my kid you guys vaccinated your kid and we've got wards in hospitals for children that are set up for covid we don't have wards that are set up for covid side effects you know it's, it's really that striking and that different but the other thing is that you can your political beliefs are important to you and you know, they're, they're as important to you as your religious beliefs and probably a, a list of other things, um, and I don't want you to lose those. You fight that battle on some other ground. This is this is a time to put all that stuff aside. Let's work together as a group and let's let's get past this thing. You know, you get to keep your autonomy, but this is a time that we need to work together as a group, and that's a value that we've been losing as a society. It's a value that we need to get back. We need to get back quickly.
0: That is. Very inspirational. I, I like that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I don't think of myself as an inspirational sort of guy.
0: <laughs> well, with that, um, I think I'm done. How, Heather, do you have any f- little final questions? No, this was this was so awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your
2: day to to chat with us.
1: Oh, thanks for having me.
2: Yeah,
0: very informative. Thank you.
1: All right. Hello,
0: Uh, that was Dr. Matthew Bregnall, naturopathic doctor. Um, If you want to know more about him, check out his blog, NDs for Vaccines. You can also follow him on Twitter. Uh, If you have any questions there, he will try to answer them as best as he can. Uh, He's very helpful and very engaging and just an all-around kind person. Um, And that was Dr. Matthew Bregnall. Um, Heather and I have been busy lately, uh, and we couldn't do our normal little chat, so I'm just kind of doing an outro. Um, We've been very busy with media requests lately, and it was quiet for the longest time. So that's kind of interesting how recently we've been kind of very busy with the requests. Um, With Back to the Vax, uh, we want to maybe mentor out into talking to medical professionals uh, and giving them ideas on how to engage hesitant patients. So that's a little project we're starting. Um, We've also signed on with a nonprofit with some vaccine advocates that we both uh, have gotten to know over the last year. Uh, David Burke runs Vaccination, vaccination Station, and uh, Isaac Lindenberger uh, had Straight to the Point podcast. He was raised anti-vax and is now very pro-vaccine. And the point of the nonprofit is to raise funds to saturate social media with pro-vaccine uh, messages with easy-to-digest information information. And also, um, you know, infographics that can be shared, uh, tear-off sheets that can be shared um, and printed. So just making uh, vaccine information more accessible and palatable for people. And yeah, those are our adventures. Um, We, you know, get asked to do media with a lot of people. We recently turn down a Russian state media interview. We were going to do it because a lot of the conspiracy fringe uh, tends to engage with that media for whatever reason. And Heather and I both want to engage with the fringe still. Like that's kind of where we came from. So, um, but we decided not to, with the increasing tensions in the Ukraine, um, we thought it would have been poor taste. So at the last minute, we changed our mind. That said, we would still engage with the fringe. Like if if Fox asked us to interview, we would do it. um, Fully expecting to be, you know, um, gotcha journalism, but (laughs) we'd still want to engage the people we're trying to, You know, change. So that's what we're up to. Um, Our next podcast, I've already thought out. uh, We're going to interview someone from Vaxteen, along with a teen that is willing to talk about their decision to vaccinate themselves against their parents' wishes in the state they live in. They were allowed to make that decision, so they didn't do anything technically illegal. Um, but they did go against their parents' wishes. So we will talk about that a bit. Um, and yeah, um, have a great rest of your day. Bye.